Chapter 3, Part 1 from the sermon series, The Gospel of John, spoken by Pastor Sunita Pontan. How many of you were afraid of the dark as a child? Don't be ashamed. <laughs> How many of you are still afraid of the dark? Don't be ashamed. <laughs> uh, but do you remember being that kid who was afraid of the dark? And for me, it was like without light, without being able to see anything, it felt like all of my other senses were heightened, right? So I could hear everything that was happening in the house, every creek, right? Every animal or or car or siren outside. Maybe you heard your parents arguing or you heard someone snoring. Maybe you felt tingling on your skin. For some reason, I used to feel like something was like crawling on me at night. There wasn't, right? But the night can be scary for a lot of children. And if your mom was like my mom, she put a little nightlight in your room. And that nightlight was just enough light that you needed so that if you got up to go to the bathroom, you wouldn't trip on anything, but also so that you could see that there actually was not a monster in the closet, right? But sometimes even that nightlight wasn't enough. If you really needed to ensure that there were no monsters behind the curtains or under the bed or that Freddy or Jason weren't going to come out of the closet, a nightlight just wouldn't do it. You needed to actually flip the light switch so that you could get a full view of the room. And when you turned on the light, all of a sudden the shadows ran away and you realized that there was no one standing behind the curtain, nobody under the bed, nobody in the closet. You needed the full light to see the truth of the situation. You needed light to cast out the darkness. And our spiritual lives are the same way. We need light to cast out the darkness in our lives. In fact, our text today, will see that Jesus is the light and he's calling us out of darkness into his light. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So in our text today, we meet this man named Nicodemus, and he's a Pharisee. He's a leader. He has power and prestige because of his standing on the ruling council. He's a teacher of the law, and at some point he encountered Jesus. So maybe he was at the wedding of Cana when he saw Jesus turn water into wine, or maybe he just heard about it. I think that he was probably in the temple when Jesus, you know, cleansed the temple and turned over the tables and and ran out the money changers. He knows Jesus, and he wants to know more. And so the Bible says that he comes at night. Now, if you can tell by now, as we're going through the book of John, that sometimes the book of John can seem confusing because there's so many layers, so much nuance to how the gospel writer writes the book of John. But what you should know is that there are theological claims being made by John, and so every word matters. And so when John says that Nicodemus came at night, we need to pay attention to that. Night occurs in the Bible in both literal and metaphorical ways. It is a way to tell time contrasted with the day, right? But night can also be associated with death. So for example, in John chapter 9, Jesus will say that he must do the work that God sent him to do. He says that night is coming when no man can work. His point is that we have to do the work that God has called us to do right now while we're alive because when we're dead, it's too late. Jesus also reminds us later in John that we're prone to stumbling at night. And we know that's true. How many times have you tripped over something in the middle of the night? Right, or how many times have you stumbled when you first walked in the house before you could turn the light on? But also, how many times has night caught you in the wrong place? In the wrong bed? The wrong party? The wrong website or phone call? With the wrong people? And finally, we see in the Bible that night is a metaphor for evil. Judas will betray Jesus at night. There can be something sinister about nighttime. And however the word night is used, it also reminds us of darkness, right? It's a metaphor. It's related to darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. It was present at creation, but we see that God's power worked against darkness to form the world. And in the Bible, darkness is often a metaphor for chaos or separation or death. It's a synonym for sin and evil. It's a metaphor for whatever opposes God or resists the light. And in our own worlds, we know how darkness can be represented. It can be a lack of knowledge or understanding, like somebody's in the dark about an inside joke. It can be pain or distress, like the dark night of the soul that Pastor Peter talked about. It can mean a time of rejuvenation, like when we go to sleep at night, so that hopefully our bodies will restore themselves and heal themselves. Or it can mean evil, like under cover of night. But it can also mean shame or secrecy and self-condemnation. Most of us are still unsettled by darkness. It scares us. We're uneasy. 
We can't see what's around us. And so the unknowingness, it agitates us. But over time, most of us get used to the darkness. We settle into it. And before we know it, our eyes have adjusted and we've become accustomed to it. But Jesus doesn't want us settling into darkness. He doesn't want us to get used to darkness. He wants us to come out of it. And what we see in our text this morning is that Jesus is calling us out of the night. He's calling us out of darkness, regardless of the form that it takes into his light. Light is a metaphor for God's presence in the world in Jesus Christ. When we started the book of John, we read in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. John is telling us all these different ways to describe Jesus. He says he's the word, he's the life, and that he is light. And this is why he came into the world. When Jesus comes into the world, he signals that light is confronting darkness and that salvation is coming in place of death. Jesus and his ministry is all about bringing light to those of us who live in darkness. He makes his light available to us, and we have a choice. Do we choose darkness or do we choose the light? So what's the light that Jesus is calling us into today? First, Jesus is calling us out of the darkness of ignorance into the light of knowledge. Out of ignorance into knowledge. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, and this sort of describes his ignorance. Darkness, Nicodemus is sort of like in the dark about who Jesus is. As we read earlier, as we read earlier, there's this back and forth between Nicodemus and Jesus about the meaning of born again. But then after that, it says, beginning in verse 9, How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So Nicodemus, he has this partial understanding of who Jesus is. He says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God because no one can do the things that you're doing if God is not with them. Jesus is doing and will continue to do signs so people will know who he is, but there's more. Knowing that Jesus is a teacher and from God is not enough. It doesn't go far enough. There's more. Since Nicodemus had been at the wedding in Cana, or at least heard about Jesus turning water into wine, he should have known, as Pastor Peter talked about a few weeks ago, that Jesus is demonstrating a new way of purification that's through him, and it's not through ritual anymore. Since Nicodemus had been in the temple, and he saw Jesus' authority as he he, uh, uh, runs out the money changers, and he turns over the tables, 
just as Pastor Peter preached last week, that he should have known that Jesus is the new temple. And that his body is the temple. It's the presence of God. And now Jesus is filling Nicodemus in on even more stuff about who he is. Jesus is telling Nicodemus that he has come from heaven. He's telling Nicodemus that he is the son of man. He's telling Nicodemus that he is the only son of God. He tells Nicodemus that he's the savior of the world. Nicodemus, he knew a lot coming into the conversation, but there was so much more that he needed to learn about Jesus. His knowledge was incomplete. He was in the dark. He was ignorant. But now Jesus was teaching him. Jesus was bringing him into the light. And this is a beautiful thing. Jesus didn't want Nicodemus to remain ignorant, and he doesn't want us to either. There's so much that people say about Jesus. There's so much that people speculate about Jesus, even Christians. But what's the truth? Jesus is calling us out of ignorance to knowledge of who he is, and all that's required of us is curiosity. I, I love this dialogue between Nicodemus and Jesus because Nicodemus, he comes with all his questions. He comes to Jesus because he's seen Jesus work and he's like, what are you talking about? He wants to know who Jesus is. He was curious. He didn't want to remain in the dark and we've got to be curious too. We can't be lazy in our faith. We got to remain curious about Jesus. Don't you want to know about Jesus who gave his life for you so that you could be free? Don't you want to know about this Jesus who, who, who forgives and who heals and who saves and who offers peace and mercy and grace? This is why we've been inviting you to do the New Testament challenge. We want you to read the Bible. We want you to learn about God. We hope that you are growing in your faith. Amen. We hope that you've got questions. And we hope that you're, that you're sharing those with your friends, that you're sending those questions to Pastor David and to others. My community group, we're using the YouVersion app, and so we, we talk there and we talk when we gather. We ask questions, and I hope you will be curious. Don't ever think that you've gotten so far in your faith that there's not more to learn about God. Don't ever think that there's nothing left for you to know about who Jesus is. There is so much we can learn, and, and God wants to teach us and so much. He wants to bring us into the light if we will be curious. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, the Bible says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. When was the last time you asked God for something and not something from him, but to know more about him? When was the last time you asked him to bring you out of the dark? Are you growing in your faith? Because the truth is that we shouldn't be the same place we were five, ten years ago. We shouldn't even be in the same place we were a year ago. And not just experiencing God and his word, but experiencing him in the flesh. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. That means that there is something experiential for us to get out of our relationship with God. We don't just want to know about God. We want to experience him. 
We don't want to just know facts about God. We want to have intimacy with him. We want to live in the light of Jesus. This comes through reading your word, but also experiencing God in the world around you. Do you ever wonder how God will meet you if you give a meal to a homeless person on the street? And not because Metro has set up a program, but because your heart aches for anyone who is hungry in the world's richest country. Maybe throw some granola bars in your car. Throw some water in your car. So when you see someone who's hungry, you can give them something to eat. Do you ever wonder how God would meet you if you tutored a student who needed help in a subject so that they would know that they too can learn? Do you ever wonder how God would meet you if you asked a perfect stranger, how can I pray for you? And you did it. I have to tell you, I've done it several times, and sometimes people say no, but when they say yes, you feel the presence of God in that moment. Do you ever wonder how God would meet you if you spoke up about the injustice that you saw at your job or, or the lack of voices of color in your child's curriculum? What might the God of justice have to say to you? God has so much more for us to experience about him if we would just be curious, if we would ask the question, if we would do the thing so that we can see and experience Jesus for ourselves. We'll, know, we'll never know the power of the light of God in our life if we don't work out our faith, if we don't walk our faith. We remain in darkness. We remain in ignorance when we're not curious, when we don't go out to experience God. But Jesus is calling us into the light and the knowledge of who he is. So Jesus is calling us from ignorance to knowledge. He's also calling us from the darkness of born to the light of being born again. He's calling us from being born to being born again. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and says, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher and from God. And Jesus replies in verses 3 through 8, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asks. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Now Nicodemus had not asked about salvation or eternal life, but that's what Jesus gave him, right? Jesus tells him how you can enter the kingdom of God. Jesus tells Nicodemus about a new way to God, a new way to the kingdom of God, and it's through Jesus. It's through being born again. It's through believing in Jesus. Now, Nicodemus is confused because he's like, I thought we were talking about physical birth. And Jesus is like, no, I'm talking about divine birth. I'm talking about transformation. And this new birth is not being born of the flesh. It's about being born of the spirit. You see, the, the Jews were the chosen people of God, and they were the only ones supposedly eligible to enter the kingdom of God. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. 
Eligibility is not about bloodline or birthright. It's not about being a physical heir to Abraham. It's the work of the Spirit. And while the Pharisees had tried to determine who's in and who's out based upon their standards of keeping the law, Jesus says, just as the wind blows wherever it pleases and you can't control it, neither can you control who is in and out of the kingdom of God. You don't know where the wind comes from and you don't know where it's going. And there's no way for you know the hearts of man. It's the Spirit's work. God does the work on the heart of the believer. And those who are born again live by the Spirit. Now, this is good news if you're somebody like me who's ever felt left out. Like you don't belong. If you ever felt different or like you don't fit in. Because, see, being a part of God's family is not about who your parents are. It's not about what you look like. It's not about what car you drive or how much money you have. It has nothing to do with your social standing. It's about none of that. It's about the Holy Spirit moving on your heart and your decision to say yes to Jesus Christ. God chooses you to be a part of his family. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And this is not people born of natural descent or human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The Spirit moves as the Spirit wills. And the Spirit has chosen you. Have you said yes? Being born again is a choice. If you haven't said yes to Jesus before, I, trust me, today is a really good day to do so. <laughs> we are born again by responding to the Spirit in faith. We believe in Jesus. Because you see, darkness is not just a metaphor for ignorance. It's a metaphor for condemnation. Nicodemus comes at night because he's afraid of being seen by his peers. He doesn't want to be seen by the other Pharisees. He's afraid that he's going to lose his position and he's going to lose his community and they're going to throw him out of the synagogue. And the truth is that that may have happened to him. But Jesus says you're afraid of the wrong things. He feared condemnation from his peers. Jesus says there's a greater condemnation that you need to be more concerned about. Look at verses 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Jesus says that true condemnation is not what our friends can do to us. It's not even what our enemies can do to us. It happens when we fail to believe in Jesus. We are condemned in this life and for eternity to a life without God if we do not believe in Jesus. We're condemned to darkness. But Jesus doesn't want us to live in condemnation. He wants us to live in the light. And if you're not a Christian, Jesus says it's not enough that you were born a physical birth. But you must be born again. 
You have to say yes to the Spirit and believe that Jesus is the Son of God sent to save you from your sins, to save you from the sin of darkness, and to bring you into his light. Jesus wants to move us from just being born to being born again. That happens when we believe in him. So Jesus wants to move us from ignorance to knowledge. He wants to move us from just being born to being born again. And finally, Jesus is calling us from the darkness of evil to the light of truth. From the darkness of evil to the light of truth. Night and darkness can also be a metaphor for evil. The Bible says that Judas betrayed Jesus at night. This sinful life is characterized by darkness. This is whether you've never come to believe in Jesus or you believe in Jesus, but you're just not living in the light. Look at verses 19 through 21. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Jesus says that people rejected him because what they were doing was evil and they wanted to hold on to that sin. Let's just read the text, right? Nicodemus wasn't the only one who saw what Jesus was doing. Nicodemus says, we know, meaning there are other people who know too, that you are a teacher, that God has sent you. And yet Nicodemus is the only one who comes. Others knew who Jesus was and they saw the same things that Nicodemus did, but they had no desire for the light. But Nicodemus, he wanted the light. The Pharisees would not accept that Jesus was God, and they would not accept that they were wrong. They clung to their evil, so much so that they plotted to kill Jesus. But they weren't the only ones then, and they aren't the only ones now. God put our salvation over the safety and the comfort and the earthly life of his son. And how do we respond? Instead of returning God's love, we choose darkness instead. Humanity loves doing evil. Sadly, it's in our nature to love the darkness. We enjoy our sin, and we don't want to give it up, even for the sake of Jesus. We enjoy feeling righteous or feeling like the victim, so we won't forgive We enjoy the attention and the flattery, so we flirt with someone who's other than our spouse. We enjoy the money and what we can buy with it, so we're cutthroat and unethical at work. We love our sin and we cling to it, even though we know it's darkness. And how do we know it's darkness? We know because the things we do cause us secrecy and shame. And we can't get caught up in the grip of secrecy and shame. You know what it's like. It's like it's so tight around our necks that we feel like we have to stay in the dark. We're afraid that the light will expose us. We want to keep our sins in the shadows, but in actuality, it's the truth 
that will set us free. Don't you know that no one can hold over your head what you've already faced yourself? No one can condemn you for what God has already forgiven you for. To turn to God is to turn away from darkness to light. It's to turn away from our sin and the shame that it produces to the light of truth. And this is not something we just do one time. We got to do it all the time. Don't you know that you can be saved and still be living sinfully? Even as Christians, how many times have we chosen darkness instead of the light in our own lives? This compromise, the, the compromise of choosing darkness and sin instead of light, it hinders our faith. And if we don't think it does, we've fallen into the devil's trap. We can't just be saved. We actually have to live like we're saved. Our sin demonstrates that we hate the light. Jesus says that one person rejects the light because they're afraid that what they've done will be exposed. But another person comes to the light so that what they've done can be revealed. Our reaction to the light proves our motives. It proves our heart. This is a way of self-examination. Are you afraid of the light or do you run to it? This is why we talk so much about confession and soulmate at Metro. We really do need to examine our hearts in those areas of our lives that live in darkness. It's those parts of our heart that need exposure to the light. The sin that we cling to so tightly, that's exactly the thing that God wants to reveal. That's exactly the thing that needs exposure to the light. I have to say that when I first came to Metro, I was not feeling any of this. Like, like this is not my thing. I resisted this idea of confession and soulmates. I felt like my sins were between me and God, and I only needed to include other people if it included them. But I have found it to be helpful, not just with my sort of official soulmate, but with my close friends as well. We're able to release the burden of the sin onto a trusted person. And we experience the forgiveness that Christ wants us to have. Now, to be clear, this person isn't doing the forgiving, but they are reminding you of God's promise of forgiveness. They're holding you up and they're reminding you that you are still loved by God and that there is a path forward. That person will know how to pray for you. They'll know how to hold you accountable. And there is no judgment and there is no shame. And when you share with other people what you're going through, you realize that you're not the only one, that we're all sinners saved by grace. It's humbling and it's powerful and it's how God shines light in our hearts. We're not supposed to live in darkness because we're children of the light. Jesus is calling us to love the light and reject the darkness. He's calling us to live faithfully, to avoid the darkness. And when we should fall, to confess and repent and get back into the light. He's calling us to experience his light of forgiveness and the joy of living in truth. There is freedom in knowing that you are living in truth. There's freedom in knowing that you are living in the light. 
Now, when you, you read this text and you read the scholars, some people say, well, you know, was Nicodemus coming at night because he loved the darkness? Or was he coming to get out of the darkness into the light? And by verse 21, we really don't know. But it's the question for all of us, right? You need to ask yourself, not about Nicodemus, but about you. Do you want to stay in the dark or do you want to come to the light? If you keep reading the book of John, you see that Nicodemus does come to the light. He comes to Jesus' defense at trial and he and Joseph of Arimathea care for Jesus' body at burial. And we can live in the light too. Jesus is calling us from darkness to light because he is the light. He's calling us to him. He has shown us that he has conquered darkness once and for all so that we can live in light. Do you guys remember that when Jesus died, it was noon, but that darkness fell over the whole world when Jesus was crucified? And it seemed as though evil had prevailed. But on that third day, when Jesus rose from the dead, light flooded back into the world that Jesus is the light of the world. And it's this light that he wants us to live into. It's the light of knowing that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's the light of knowing and experiencing God's forgiveness and grace. It's the light of having peace in the midst of all the crazy and all the chaos that's going on in your life. It's the light of knowing that you are a child of God and no one can take that away from you. It's the light of experiencing God so much so that you are convinced just like Paul that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor things present, or the future, nor powers, nor height, or depth, or anything else in all creation can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It is the light of his love that he's drawing you to. And so, my brothers and my sisters, why would we stay in darkness when light is an option? If you don't know what God is calling you to today, if you don't know, like, what's the point of this message, let me be clear. You are to be children of light. You are to be children of light. That's the calling on us this morning, to be children of light. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you are the light of the world. God, we know that there's darkness all around us. There might be darkness in our lives. There might be darkness in our hearts. But you are still the light of the world. And even if we can't see it, even if our sin seems to be blocking it. God, we know that you're the light. And so we pray, Heavenly Father, that your light would come and shine in our hearts. God, we confess that we are sinful people. We confess that there are so many things that we've done that we shouldn't have done. And there's so many things that we were, you called us to do that we didn't do. And God, we say sorry. God, we say that we repent. And God, we say, we ask, we plead that your light would come into our hearts. 
God, I, I pray for those among us, God, who are wrestling with a sin. God, would you remind them of your love? Would you remind them that nothing can separate them, not even their sin, nothing can separate them from your love that reaches down to them and wants them to come into the light. God, I, I pray for those of us who've been asked to be soulmates of someone else. Those of us, I, I pray for all of us, God, that you would help us to be safe spaces, that people can share their struggles, that they can share their burdens, and that we would remind them of your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy. We pray, God, that you would help us to be children of light. We pray, God, that we wouldn't even want to stay in darkness. God, we want to be faithful. We want to be obedient. We want to live in the light. So God, would you help us? Would you remind us of your love? Would you remind us of your peace? Would you remind us of your grace? Would you remind us of your mercy? Would you remind us of your forgiveness? Would you remind us of your hope and your joy, God? It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.